The entire team at Emsolation want to acknowledge that we are gathered on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We want to recognise that we are recording and telling our stories on the stolen land of our country's first storytellers. We wish to pay our respects to all Wurundjeri elders and ancestors and to extend that respect to any First Nations peoples who listen to Emsolation. We recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples' continued connection to the land and waters of this country and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be. You're about to hear an episode of The Marriage Diaries, an exclusive series created by Em and her husband, Scott, for our premium service, Emsolation Extra. There's never been a better time to join our extra family. You can sign up for less than $2 a week on a yearly plan, and you'll get two bonus episodes a week delivered to you in an exclusive feed via your favourite podcast app, Instagram close friends access, 20% off our merch, pre-sale ticket access, and so much more. You can sign up now at emsolation.supercast.com. Extra. 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 It's Emsolation Extra. Hello, Extra Pals. Well, here we are, part two of The Marriage Diaries, where my husband, Scotty Barrow, and I sit down and answer your probing questions. My goodness, you little busybodies. I have to tell you, after last week, we did have some interesting discussions because I don't know if you got it, but we'd had a bit of an argument over the weekend we had to come to Jesus. You know, when you're both standing each other, both have hands on hips, trying to get the other to just see your side of things. But we did manage to resolve it. And I can't tell you what shifted, but I think we both just want it to be better. I think at times I've wanted it to be better and he's given up and he's wanted it to be better and I've given up. And I think our desire for our life to be a bit smoother has finally met up. (laughs) We're on the same page. But yeah, it was... It was an interesting time in my house that night. (laughs) What was that laugh? I'll get to it because this is the longer. This is the long. And I'm so sorry. There's only three questions. But there was one question one of you asked us about getting your partner on board with an ADHD diagnosis. And I think our answer went for about 28 minutes. So (laughs) make no mistake. This is catharsis for us as much as it is about answering your questions. Please enjoy part two of The Marriage Diaries. This is from May. Ooh, they're really spicy today. If there's an issue with the other's parents, who should resolve it? You or your partner? <coughs> Say, for instance, your mother has an issue with me. Is it my job to resolve it or your job to resolve it? Probably mine. Correct. At the the very first instance. That is absolutely the answer. That's the only answer. That's the only answer. If you're having an issue with your partner's family, it's your partner's responsibility to heal that rift and have a chat. And yes, you should probably all get together, but the initial approach should be from your partner. And I know this can be the case for a lot of women, I'm going to generalise, where they feel like, their partner's family treat them a certain way or their mother-in-law or whatever, the old trope, and the husband buries his head in the sand about it because the two most important women in his life are brawling and it's too much for him. But I think, first of all, I want to say off the bat, you've never had a problem with my parents ever. My dad fucking loves you. 
my mum's up and down, but that's just Jenny. Um, so we've never had to have that. I've never had to say to my family, don't do that to Scott. And we've had tricky times with your family and me and we were laughing about it on the weekend because a lot of the criticism your family has had of me is around the social functions. And there was always that joke of, oh, if you're looking for Emmy, find the kids or the dogs. You know? Yeah, um, that's the the bigger family, the broader family. Yeah, no, the big family. Um, the big, but like the, you know, the there's always been this idea that I'm a bit standoffish and a bit cold. Yeah, but when I heard that comment, that specific comment, like yeah. the kids or the dogs, I, I think... There's a chance you would instantly take that as a uh, threat, an Very attack. Very careful where you're at now. And I didn't, I didn't hear it like that. But I thought it was a more of a, like, that's where she should be. It wasn't, I don't think it was being mean. Scott, I, they were specifically saying I don't interact with them. Mm. Like, that's what yeah, they were saying. Yeah, but I don't think they have, I don't think that particular comment was a, a go, a, yeah, a stab. But, but then in other times they've said it to you and it was a go. You've told me. We're not going to get into specifics, mm. but that has been a criticism of your family of me. Mm. And so now I, yeah. I know it's yeah, my I job know to be- speak. Yeah, I I know why I feel that way. And we saw a post about an autistic person writing, and they checked off all the things. And I said, "This is basically a list of my behaviours at Christmas Day. <laughs> I do it with my family. I totally mm. section myself off. It's too much. I'm either." Cooking, doing dishes, checking on the kids, checking on the washing, floating around. My dad does the same. We're hummingbirds at and events. And the outside or slightly, not, not completely isolated but partitioned no, isolated. off. Yeah, I realise I have to skirt and my dad has always done it. And, and I hummingbird like my dad. We skirt around the edges. We make sure everyone's needs are being met but we don't go into the middle of it ever. But your dad, when he comes around, say for example, when he comes around our place and we are looking after him, he does allow himself to sit in the group. Then. Oh, yeah, he's mm. much better at that than I mm. am, 100%. But he, um, when it's his event, he's hummingbirding. Yeah, he's, he's totally hosting. <laughs> but, look, to answer your question, it's 100% your partner's responsibility to approach the parents if there's an issue. I think if it's his parents, he knows them, he has the background with them, he probably knows how they're going to react but then I think you all need to have a conversation. It can't just be a he said, she said, you know. And also things might get lost in translation and you might have misunderstood something. So that's a good question. Thank you. This is from Jess. It's for you. Scotty, what's the biggest lesson you've taken away from the previous marriage diaries? The biggest lesson is that uh, when we talk about our stuff on this, it's Different the way we the way we talk about it is different, and it gives us a different it has a different effect on our relationship, and so that's the biggest lesson. Like um, we're being held accountable because it's being recorded. Yeah, well, you use use the language like um, you know, on our best behaviour. Mm. So because we're aware, like we, we yeah, want to the, the bottom line is we're approaching this conversation differently than we normally do when we talk about our relationship and so it allows us to have a different type of conversation and a different feeling to it and therefore it has a different effect. And to be honest, you and I have done counselling, we've probably done it a few, few, three, four, even five separate times. We haven't taken it ever, taken it long time, term 
But I think these sessions, and it might be where we're at in our lives, but these sessions have been the most effective out of all of it, to be honest. Mm, I agree. Even though we, and we didn't ever really get into everything and, but anyway, it's a different type of conversation and it has a different type of effect and the effect has been the one that we've, that we've benefited from the most. So that's the, being the biggest learning. Mm. I think because we bring our best selves to these conversations, whereas when we're in the depths at home. Yeah, arguing, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you bring your, It gets your scrappy. Bit. It gets... <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it's all the yeah, yeah. So you, yeah. So that's, that's well, you're it. being held accountable. You know, there's a there's a light on us. There's mics in front of us, and I think it's a fair it's a fairer fight or it's a fairer conversation. Do you know what I mean? I think if you're using the word fairer fight, it mightn't be the right. I'm Italian. I can't help it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Leah M, what's the one thing that drives you crazy about Scott? Good and bad. Okay, the one bad thing that drives me crazy is his fucking distraction by the phone. He's so distracted by his mobile phone. When I'm on my phone, I'm hustling for likes, I'm making content, I'm getting us money. Like it's rare that I'm just walking around texting my mates, having a laugh. Scott will constantly walk around with his phone just giggling at his stupid, sorry, at his important cycling group chat. And it, yesterday he's like, I'll take Elio. I've been riding for the past 72 hours. And then five minutes into taking Elio, he got on the phone with his mate to see how his race went. Because he was a bit worried because his race hadn't come up on Strava. So I was just checking you're okay, mate. And so Elio's wild because dad's attention's on the phone. So the, the one thing that gets me like at a million with you is the distraction with the phone. You're and so then, distracted then, by your phone. And then you Hang came on. in after. Let me answer. And you had to go at me again and me on the phone and at that stage I was writing a shopping list to go down the street. So that was a bit, un, bit unfair. Were you though? <laughs> I was. With totally your headphones was. in? No, no, I didn't have headphones in there. The other thing I would recommend is that not having a partner that walks around with noise cancelling headphones on all the time. That's another thing. That's another killer. <laughs> Scott. Scott! He's already deaf, by the way, without the headphones. Not and then I have to, to go through range. watching him. <laughs> then I have to go through watching him. He sighs because he's got to stop his podcast. <sighs> then he takes his headphones out and he goes, whoa. <laughs> the thing that drives me crazy in a good way, we've spoken about this a lot, is the blonde hair on his butt cheeks. <laughs> Did you dye it when I was sleeping? <laughs> I love your bum so much. It's a beautiful bum. Your jaw, your jaw. Oh, God, when I get just a glimpse of that muscular jaw, I love it. I love your jaw. I love your bum. I love your dimples. Your dimples are great. And our children got your dimples, which is really lucky. You've got a little beauty spot under your eye that I love. Your hamstrings, excellent hamstrings. You have really nice feet too for a bloke. Your feet are nice. You've got nice, you know what else, you know what I love? I love, you know what else drives me crazy in a good way? Your nail beds. You've got beautiful, flat, accessible nails. Mm. They're perfect. They're stunning. Now how do you know that? Because I've picked how, them. <laughs> how many times have you done that? Every day of our relationship. <laughs> my One of my stims is I... Picking, um, touching. I don't pick them, I stroke them. Like I, what I do is, and I know it's a stim now and I never had a language for it. I run the perimeter of them. And then I, like I'm tracing the outline and then I colour them in with the flat of my thumb. So it's like I'm colouring in each of your nails and I go through each of his fingers and he, he doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah. You put up with it's it. It's not that I yeah, don't like it. Sometimes it's too sort of sensitive. <laughs> so I, that drives me crazy. So we've got bum, hamstring, jaw, 
excellent nail beds for stimming. <laughs> they all drive me crazy. What else drives me crazy about you in a good way? That's it. You've said it. Yeah. But the phone is the big fucking... Oh, and the other thing that drives me crazy in a bad way? What was the question again? What drives you? What's the one thing? Can I say the other thing? So, so you can say, you can, you can do the no, equivalent. No, it's for you and it was the one thing. <laughs> every, every day for 23 years. But I think that has backed off um, that part. Every that day. Since been, our children. Yeah. Our children are mm. scarred from that noise. Okay, what's the one thing? No, that, no, it was directed to you. That's okay. Let's ask you. What's the one thing that drives you crazy about me, good and bad? Say the bad first, do shit sandwich. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, oh, no, you have to say there's something bad. What yeah, do I do that drives you crazy? I drive you crazy like as a default setting, so no, come no. on. Um, the sparkle in your eyes is the, is the <laughs> best thing. I've said he's ass and he's going something. Tell the truth. It is. It's the thing that gets me. The sparkle in my eyes. Your eyes, your eyes. Oh, my eyes. I've got nice eyes. Yes. Yeah, anything else? Say something bad. I don't care. I'm, I've, oh, I know it all. just slow down and let me think and speak? Does that piss you off about me? Does that drive you crazy? Um, uh, I can't think of it anything just right now. Say it. I can't think of it. I make plans right without now. checking with you. I'm impatient. I fl- I'm, I'm emotional. Yeah, it's like um, you've got your way and if I'm anything different to that, you just lose your fucking mind. Totally. So I'm you, Italian. you, I'm like, autistic. Th- there's, You're one, Italian there's your way and I have a, I actually am an existing human being, an entity that can breathe yeah. and if I'm one bit different to that, mm. it, it, you lose your mind in, a, in an impatient way or an angry way or yeah. a resentful way or a dismissive way. One way or another, you will lose your mind for me being different to you. But can we reframe that in the term of you're married to an autistic person? How does that reframe that characteristic? What do you know about autistic people? Mm. Well, the reframing of that is just like... No, no, uh, you're totally right. Like you're right. Yeah, Which I, leads us to our next question about the diagnosis and how it's changed us. But everything you said is correct and it was something I beat myself up about. Like I, I have, I've worked myself up to something being a certain way. Like I've worked really hard mentally for something and I get a picture of it, right? Yeah, the, sort of like that, you know, that's just, it's, it's the rigidity but the rigidity can be a strength because you're yeah. focused and it's clear and you go in and no, commit it. No, but what's not the, the strength is the emotional dysregulation when it's challenged and that's autism. Yeah. So most people come into it, neurotypical people will come in with a, an idea and then it might change or be <clears> taken <throat> away from them and they can just take it in their stride. Autistic people, it's like... It's a thousand. It's mm. an insult against you and your ancestors. Mm. I feel it hit me like a bullet in my guts. Mm. And sometimes it's something really sort of oh, significant. Sometimes but sometimes it can so be the smallest thing agreed. too. It's like, And that's the problem with the emotional regulation. There's no, in my brain, everything's a hundred. And we see that with Elio. Mm. And working with him through it and working with OT and learning about the idea of that our brain takes everything as a hundred. We're unable to go, oh, this is just like a chip falling on the floor versus I've chopped my toe off. Those two accounts, those two events will get the same emotional response. Yeah. 
So I think that's something that's caused us a lot of pain. It's caused me a lot of pain pre-you. It's like something my whole life that I've always felt like, why is this feel like a bullet hitting my vest when I can see other people are reacting just fine to this change? Mm. It's, it's fair that it pisses you off, but I don't know if it helps you reframe it ever or helps you be more tolerant of me in that situation. If, you know, I'm just autisming all over you. <laughs> Even as I said it, I was questioning it. I did an autism. But that's a fair thing. I'm sorry. Mm. I, can't, I genuinely can't help it. Yeah, it's like um, I feel like it feels like this is not a, what it is and it's not your intent. It's sometimes those situations it feels like you have a really clear idea on how you understand yourself and the world and what's important and all that. And it's like you. It's like it feels like you, you. You forget that there's another human that could have the same way of thinking about it, the same autonomous thoughts and way of seeing a situation. So it's like, yeah. Mm. Does I that make sense? It. What yeah, I said? Yeah, I get it. I'm I not, just. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I'm just I saying, mean, it's that, that line of. I also don't feel I have to mask around you, so that's why when this stuff happens like say in public or when it would happen in yeah. school or workplace, I would internalise it and burn and not sleep and not eat and, you know, become a shell. But I guess for me, for good or for bad for you, you're a safe space and I'm able to react how I actually want to react. Yeah, and that's the thing that um, that, that pattern of your response or reaction or way you've got and that comes onto me and that's a lot for you to deal with regardless no, it is, of it being it autism is. or not but so what i would do then is yeah i i might lash back not nah. often sometimes but not often most of the time i'll either give up pull out resent all that sort of thing right go quiet essentially but if i was able to to choose a different response and that is go into it. Yes. So, you know what I mean? Like um, whether it, whether it's something you're... you yeah, But go into you too. Mm. Um, so got to go into the storm, if you like, mm. then actually away. And and that's the, like, my instincts are the opposite. Yeah, you want to run. Yeah. But so what like, I need you or, to do is grab my forearms. Yeah. What we do with Elio. Go in. And be like, I'm here go with in you and, now. Go in and connect. This is, you're safe. Mm. You're okay. Let's let's talk about it. What we do with Elio, you have to apply to your wife. <laughs> yeah, but it's not only. But it's not only. It's not only when you sort of disagree with something I've done or we've got a problem or tension. Sometimes it's just different ways of of yeah. Like say situation. for that is that example with the phone. Like you had taken the piss a bit for the previous three days and been gone a lot and I had to work and manage Elio and our carer called, pulled out on us and you had dinner and rides and rides and rides and some work and you said to me, I'll take him. So my brain went, steel trap. Scott has said he's taking him. So I now have a couple hours to, and let's be honest, go and fold some washing and catch up on the housework. And... Five minutes later, I hear you on your phone, Elio's crying, whinging, wanting your attention and you're talking to a cycling buddy. I can't, I can't yeah. tell you the rage and it is not a neurotypical person's rage response. 
And you're a typical person would have been like, oh my God, Scotty, come on, mate, get off the phone. But for me, no, I, know. I felt like you'll kill my father every breath will die. I felt like him. Like it was like I was hunting you down because you killed my father. And that and with that response within me is because I am neurodivergent, because I am autistic, because a rule was set in place and you broke it four minutes later and it was just like, and, I, and it ruined my day. Well, it actually didn't because... I pulled it back in. Yeah, like I was surprised when... So I took him out and, and it wasn't that long. No. But, it, but <laughs> as long as I could get him out, mate, he wanted to get home, he's exhausted. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not trying to... I, I got him out and we got... And then, yeah, all of a sudden I walked into the room and you were down on the ground doing your Princess Leia pose as you like to work Everybody on Everybody here knows this about Fucking me. Fucking Princess Leia pose. I have my so God. many deaths. Help me, everyone. So Help many. me. Your and my, my preferred position is a fucking crouched. kneeling crouch, <laughs> neck extension, fucking doing I, it all in like a rabbit eating a I'm carrot. I'm like a little T-Rex like a rabbit on the ground. I have my hands out in front of me that like That is your position. And, and I'm down on the ground and no matter, I hate chairs. I, I've always struggled to sit yeah, that's in good chairs. good though. Chairs are shocking I've always struggled to sit. In some ways. But even just because that position, I'm in a position of readiness, I can spring up at any time and go. You say to yourself. <laughs> but I think that's what it is because I'm also, I'm able You're to grounded. rock around. You're grounded. Yeah. I think that's what it's about. I, I love being close to the ground and I love being down hunched up on the ground. That's how I work best. I do too. I'm probably, uh, when I do my thinking-based work, I don't want to be like that. But, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm off the couch. I'm sitting in front of the couch. Like how many times did you used to come in and I'd be sitting on the ground in the shower? <laughs> do you remember? Yeah. You were amazed at that when we first started and going also, out. also, yeah, you're like your long-term typing positions on the laptop. <laughs> like, man, you, you're always complaining about a sore neck. Look at how your position Every is, Every neurodivergent person listening now is going, yeah, preach it, sister. Oh, I love I got it. a sore neck. I, love I got it. a sore neck. <laughs> All right, this is one. This is one I get a lot. Actually, it's from Chronic Muse. Again, not her real name. Sorry. How did you get Scott on board with your ADHD diagnosis? My partner isn't open to it at all. Now, on board. What? All right. Let's define what you think. What's that lady's name? Sorry. Chronic not Muse. Name. What? What do you think she means by on board? Because that's important here. I think she definitely means acknowledging it, like actually acknowledging it. And that's the first step to... A bit like that... Um, so what is... It, being, him being curious, what does this mean for you? How has this affected your life? And then having a conversation... willing to step into it a little bit to whatever degree at that point in time. And then being open to placing a different lens on her and their relationship and then again being open to making adjustments in his behaviour that will make her life a bit easier. Because if you're late diagnosed ADHD woman, I'm guessing your life's pretty hectic and complicated and hard like mine was. Like there's just a lot of things that are overwhelming you. And my love language, as we know, is acts of service from you. Basically anything that you can do to take the extraordinary load I feel I'm carrying make it a bit lighter, mate, spread my spreadsheet, you know? <laughs> so for me, that would be what I think she would mean by being on board with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you before you answer that? No, it's your question, isn't it? No. I mean, I know. Oh, yeah. In, no, it is my more... question, but I want your 
how would you advise this woman to talk to her partner about it if he's like you? Just like you're an average dude. Yeah, I'm just I mean, thinking then, still out. We are getting an ADHD I was just diagnosis. thinking then it's like maybe you have a – oops, sorry. You have a, a very brief chat. Mm. I'm wondering. I don't know. This is just – What's the language we're using though? Uh, like um, so you have a brief chat and you just, um, say, hey, I've got something really important to tell you about me and us um, and it's sort of – it's really different and new, you know. How would you want me to do that? So – you know what I mean? How in, how would you – should I write it? Should I do an audio message? Should we sit down? Like it sounds really over an engineer, but it's 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 just um, – So say make, she does that. Making the change, the change, the difference much more gradual and sort of allowing him to think about – something along those lines. Well, Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? What she's saying when so she's there. Just no, down. when they're sitting together, what does she say to him? I've been diagnosed with ADHD. Here's what this means. Is it best now? Remember, no, 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 ADHD- no. Stop, 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 stop. I've been diagnosed with ADHD. Stop, hold, listen, mm-hmm. look, read, and then see what see what's said and stay stay there. Because ADHDs have a tendency to over-explain themselves, right? Yeah, don't do that. Well, we can't help it because we've spent our lives know, doing so that. So then, don't do it in conversation then, because you want to drip feed this if you. Th- it like it depends on how your partner handles um, big, big, strong. Because you ignored new... it for a bit. What you ignored it, you did. Like no. you, you didn't. You ignored it. When you say ignore, what do you mean? You didn't. You didn't ask questions. I remember very when I told you I got the diagnosis. You didn't ask questions, and I remember asking you to read some stuff that I was given, and you didn't read it. Yeah, so um, like you I didn't think that's engage a, that, with it for a while. That no, that's an example of us approaching things differently, because just because I wasn't asking questions doesn't mean that I wasn't engaged. It, that's like but you're a question asker. That's what you do. Yeah, but but I didn't need to ask questions at that point in time. But if so, your partner comes to you with a diagnosis, and I was devastated, you blocked me. You stonewalled that. You did. Like you're well on board now. But I remember being really devastated at your lack of response to it. You were super stoic about it. You were very like yeah, but I didn't I nonplussed. Didn't a, you I were nonplussed. Well, I, I probably at the time didn't even have a full understanding of what it all meant. And yeah, what that's why I was, was expecting questions from you. Yeah, so so you you sort of it's, you got to be careful not to put your assumptions on. Like that's but what, what I'm, I'm saying. What I'm trying to do is. I'm trying to understand maybe her partner's having the same reaction you did and you've come around and I just was trying to maybe unpack, do you remember how you felt about it when I told you? Like was there some sort of fear that this would be used as an excuse for things that I did that made things harder for us or like I'm just trying to understand. I can't remember that time that well enough, like, you know, I mean, precisely. Okay, because I was just wondering maybe there's a commonality in her husband's response. No, that's what I was saying, like, that's why I was saying you have to, in my opinion, Mm. you have to be, this conversation that you have, you got to be very, and this is hard, like the ADHD information Mm. dump or, you know, Mm. creative. We become our own special interest topic. Right, so just bloom. But... I think, or at least maybe I'm just reflecting on my, no, me, I don't know. Mm. 
but you have to wade into the waters of that conversation very one step at a time, allowing time and space. Because you know if the you irony just dump, huh? You know the irony in that. Yeah, <laughs> it's never going to happen. So that's why mm. maybe a face-to-face conversation is not the mm. best medium mm. for the information flow. And like, it has to happen eventually. It has to be human com- conversation face-to-face eventually. But that's where I want to like, if I had some, you know, like that's what I'm thinking, prefacing the whole thing. If I had something really important to tell you that was going to impact me and us at a really high, high level, important level, mm-hmm what would be the first thing you'd want to know? You know what I mean? Like giving the guy the the power to choose what bit of information he gets at that point, at least until it gets some sort of familiarity and confidence and not being overwhelmed or... or it's, yeah, oh, shit, it's so no hard. You know why? Because all we want in that moment is I'm so sorry and it's not your fault and you weren't wrong. The way you were treated was wrong. Yeah, you know, that's, so, that's the kind of... That's the kind of healing language I think we want from our partners. And I, I just want to ask you. But I wouldn't have been able to do that. I no. wouldn't have been able to do that then because of one, the the, the whole um, energy and volume coming out of you then oh, will so come on to me. And, and we're so in lockdown I wouldn't have been too, able to, remember? I wouldn't have been able to pick out, no. oh, this person in front of me, my wife, is ultimately feeling a bit rattled by it. But you ran the other way. Remember what we just talked about? You instead of leaning in and giving me a hug and saying, we'll yeah, but, figure it but out. But also, but my point is, what I'm trying to say is that yes, that would have been best, and yet that would have been great. But also, I personally wouldn't have had a chance to do that. It's not that I can't do it and couldn't do it in the future, because it, the the weight of information that I was dealing with. So I wouldn't have even been able to go. You know what? The main thing here is. She needs a hug. Mm. I would have been overwhelmed by information anyway and my own thoughts and all the deep parts of it that you, you would present to. I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying that's that would be – it would have been uh, – that would be great if I could have done that. What got you across the line? I can't remember. When did you start viewing it differently? And by the know. way, I was sending – I sent Scott – I was sending him a lot of TikToks. A lot of videos. No, that 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 that. No, but there's was a, there later. was a slow indoctrination in of, like it's been a long journey to get to get Scott. Um, what helped me? One one thing was some specific information from others, not just from you. Um, and one of them was um the Insight Show on ABC mm. where they had the, the thing and the 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 researcher or professor type person was talking about the the physiological mechanics of the nervous system. That helped me. It's mm. like, okay, well, I understand that the real basis of it. That sort of um I guess that helped my learning style. It's like, okay, ADHD is ultimately about a, an under aroused nervous system and da 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 I was like, oh, okay, right. And then things started making sense to me then. Mm-hmm. So it's like I guess what we're talking about there is an understanding, a, an understanding of it rather than what your experience of it is. And that, so that was the order of things mm-hmm. that helped me, if that makes sense. Was the autism or the ADHD easier to accept or believe? Probably the autism because it was second and it was just like I've already been through that process. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think the ADHD thing is was my the speed of my engaging with you or accepting or whatever all that you know it probably was just proportionate to my level of education on it do you know what i mean but i felt you resented me trying to educate you on it 
I genuinely felt resentment from you on that. Yeah, because that's another example. Like you, you pushed this stuff to me, and I cannot, and I don't want to consume the amount of information that you do. So that was like, you know, you're pushing all this stuff at me, all this content, and it's just too much for me. ADHD. Different learning styles. Or some might say you're neurodivergent. Do you think you're neurodivergent? I don't know. Do you think that you're neurodivergent? Neurodivergent. Do you think there's a... I think where I'm at right now, yes, I do. (laughs) But anyway, but like you were doing it your way. You were going, you know, pushing all this stuff to me and it was just that actually wasn't increasing the rate of my understanding and learning appreciation. What have you reframed about me in your mind from negative to more compassionate and understanding since the diagnosis? Uh, Probably a a better understanding of why you are like you are, like why you do things like you do, all those sorts of things. So just sort of changing the reason why. I can't remember what the reason why was before. but Yeah, you don't give me as much shit for diving into the special interests anymore. Like you used to really go on about it, about how I would have to go and buy one of everything to do the thing. You just let me do did it I? now. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Oh, we don't need that. We don't need that. No, I still don't like that and we don't need it. And yeah, but I know you where shut it's up all about going. it now. Huh? Yeah, but you shut up about it now. Mm. You just let me do it because that's my that's my live or die. I have to do it. It would be like cutting me off from being able to fully explore my special interests, like really limiting that ability, which did happen to me as a kid. It's like taking away my oxygen. Yeah. And just being a mum gives me the greatest excuse because all my special interests line up with my kids. <laughs> so Elio's into Halloween. It's interesting that special interests are, you know, things that you can engage with as kids, which is the same time as when they started getting shut down. So you didn't get to fully explore I'm, it. I'm totally reliving my childhood through my children. The childlike interests. I'm not trying to say that no, that's those an things can't thing. exist, but they can't exist yeah. as adult. I'm not trying to say that, but yeah. There's that part too. But I, the greatest thing is I can completely roll around in painting ghosts and our faces and decorating the house with cobwebs and bats. And I was literally like setting up a scene from a horror show in our front. We had a cauldron bubbling and you just, it was just, it was just another day for you. You didn't give me shit. And I laughed and I said, it's lucky. Sometimes I have women writing to me saying, God, my husband would never let me paint the world pink. And I'm like... If Scott tried yeah, to no, limit early, me doing say, that. <laughs> yeah. So we've been together like 23 years. So in the early years, I, that would have rattled me because, one, it was different than what I was used to. Yeah, what you I grew, grew up, up in minimalist yeah. scandal And chic. also then also it's like I was drawing my own meanings of it all and where it was all going to and all that sort of stuff. And like you say, most of the time now I just sort of just roll with it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I... That is a bit concerning, that language, you know, like my husband would never let me. Totally. Like, hmm. What? You know, like I can understand why you would say that and how that's the dynamic and all that, but if that's the language that you are speaking, then that is an indicator of... But there's a lot of financial and stuff I'm not having that goes a, I'm not, on. That's not me judging you for speaking like that, people. No, we're not judging. But, but it's I, more like that... Um, yeah. Like if you want to paint a wall pink and like your house isn't on the market right now, <laughs> paint it pink. I just think restricting someone from painting a wall pink for what? Why? Why? Because why? 
do it. Paint the wall pink. And if your husband or your partner makes a really massive deal about it, like that's about them, not you. You have never done that. And I'm so grateful for that. There, there's one of the things I'm really grateful about, Scott. He lets me be me. And I think the only place and the reason I never leave the house is because I'm allowed to sit there and just be totally me and I am... I've always pretty... Like I would say that, yeah, I've always been easily able to do that with you. The times when you're being... Your version of being me is, I think, is impacting me. That's what I've struggled. But but when it's just you, yeah, it's fine. You should let me be weird. Well, I don't don't like that word. You use that a lot. (laughs) You use that a lot about your uniqueness or the things that you're interested in. Well, I'm strange. I'm a strange person. People say that about me. But that compared to what? It's like the same label the as an ADHD. The majority of people. Nah, like I don't accept that. If you took a large sample of society. I don't accept that. You don't think if we took a large sample of society, I wouldn't sit on the outer periphery of what everybody in that yeah, group Yeah, but are considered. you weird or they weird, for example? Oh, wow, good for, good for her. So, you know, like the, the weird is not, I don't think that's a constructive but use I also, of language. I have been getting more and more comfortable spreading my wings into who yes, I am. Yes. As I hit my mid 40s, I'm only going to get hotter and weirder and richer. <laughs> that's good. I, re- I really like that. Can we, that's, um, I think that could be a leading soundbite for so many. <laughs> pieces of media that come out for the next decade. I think I really, I want to drive this point home. I am all about the renaissance, not Beyonce, just that. But I'm all about the 40s being a time of renaissance for women, not the start of the slow decay into obscurity and all of the things society Mm -hmm. tells us. I'm about embracing this and just being all the things you were told you couldn't be when you were little. Just buy the castle grey skull. So come back to the yeah, let's come back to the question again. To getting her husband on board. That was the... Uh, was that it? <laughs> that was was that it, quest. getting her husband on board? Yeah. Or was it, no, it was no, a secondary question. No, no, it was getting getting her partner. Her partner isn't on board about her diagnosis at all. I just say start living your best ADHD life, special interests, pink walls, whatever that looks like, and let him come at his own pace. But if he's not acknowledging it at all, if he's ignoring it, then he's ignoring you at your core and that is a bigger problem. To deny someone who they tell you they really are is, you know, it's like if, you're, if your child comes out to you and says, I'm, I'm queer or I'm gay, for you to then respond with, no, you're not. This is what your husband is doing. You've come out. You've come out as a neurodivergent person and your partner has basically stonewalled you on it and like, no, you're not. And that is awful and that's mm. on him. And I don't want it to be a reflection on you because you're probably carrying enough. Yeah, so then it gets to that question like how, how, how would she do that? She needs to just look after herself. You know, I had the idea that I had to sell you on it. I had to, you know, make it a thing and then I flipped on that and I was like, no, I've got to sell myself do, yeah, on this. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, that's that's the way. Absolutely. I've got to you reconcile to this with accept, myself. You yeah. have to accept, acknowledge, be commit all those things that you're wanting from. Well, it's almost like if enough people believe you, then you can believe you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So if you I think believe you, if you know you've got ADHD, if you're in a good space, that should be enough. 
And I have literally been publicly accused of faking autism and ADHD. But ultimately, I was able to reconcile that. And you know what that did to me. You saw me not get out of bed for a month. But ultimately, I was like, but I know I know, I am. Why am I trying to convince people who want to believe the worst of me something I know? Like I was carrying around my diagnosis as a printed out you know, bits of paper. I was carrying, I've recorded the sessions. I was like, I had these on me like weapons ready to throw at anyone on the street who approached me and said, you're faking. And I was ready to rip out my mm. report. And I was like... So it's like, why do I, why do I need to convince your, anyone else? Yeah. Why do I need that? You need a little bit of cooperation from people at times, but that's about it. But again, yeah, like you say, until you own it, other people won't own it as much. It doesn't have to be in that absolute order, but yeah, it's probably... Yeah, it's almost like what you feel you're lacking in the other, look and see if you're you're doing it for yourself yeah, do first. Yeah, do it for yourself. First, yeah. Do it for yourself first and all things going to plan, they'll slowly join you. All right, last question. This is from Cindy Lou. What is the recipe for a successful long-term relationship, Scott? Learning. That's it? It's extremely unhelpful. You just said one fucking word. Okay, I'm just going to go do some learning all over my partner and we're going to get, get really good at it. Can you expand? Well, the learning is what's required to I tell you what, it's not fucking rolling your eyes at your wife every 30 seconds. I didn't roll you my did. eyes. You did. No, I did not. Don't eye roll. We are in a family of eye rollers, aren't we? Who, whoever gets in first. The first facial expression our children made was an eye roll. <laughs> Everyone imposing their will on the others. House full yep. of assholes. Yeah. Oh, I think we'll cut this piece out. No, um, we won't. Uh, learning. What do you mean? Expand. Well, yeah, the learning. Learning is always sort of like the uh, a version of the underpinning of growth. Mm. And to stay in relationship, everything else is changing around you, and you're changing. So the way you relate has to keep evolving and growing and changing. And I think the underpinning of that is learning. Okay. Yeah. I would say resilience. I think resilience is the key. I think when things are hard, when things are good, having that bounce back factor, you know, like not being fragile about your relationship and your love, that for me I think is the, the key, the key to long-term success in a relationship is resilience. Totally. Mm. Why are you looking at me like that? I feel, I feel like the way I'm hearing that is like um, it's like your attention is all about the times when it's being challenged. Well, that's, that's the nuts and bolts of what this question is. Because I don't, I don't think so. Long-term think relationships last because you can get through the challenging times. If it's all good times, this question is irrelevant, right? Like long-term relationships are only long-term because people have survived hard times. But also there might be something that they um, that's not about surviving that's actually good about it, which keeps it together yeah, too. Yeah, of course, but things can't be good all the time, right? So when things aren't good, mm. it's, being in a relationship is great when it's good, but when things get hard, yeah, but that would be not shying away from the hard... Because 
there are plenty of people in long-term relationships who are fucking miserable, right? But they're just together because it's all they know or for financial reasons or because they're scared to be on their own because they haven't had the resilience to tackle the stuff that got them there, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I Am feel I going like about this I've, in a neurodivergent way? I feel like that's like a par- partial. I feel like that's partial. I'm not all it is. Yeah, it's like it, you're talking about the recognise of getting through but the, the challenging parts, the but, but there's face, what about the other side of that? Yeah, then? but the good stuff's self-explanatory. But doesn't that keep, oh, you, doesn't that keep you long-term go too? On dates, good. say nice things. Like that's all, we know all that shit. What doesn't get spoken about is what to do when you're not having sex, when you're not dating each other, when you fucking hate the way that person breathes in front of you. Like this stuff is not discussed. You go on Instagram, we know all the good things about long-term relationships. The key is to... Be resilient when it's shitty. That is the key. Too much is focused on the happy parts well, of long-term relationships. Yeah. There's too much. It's either <laughs> happy, 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 and then you hear they're getting divorced. And you're like, but they were, what the fuck? I saw a picture of them with four puppies in their beige living room last week saying how much they loved each other. Mm. Like literally what? Hugh Jackman and Deborah Lee Finesse were like, oh, we love each other so much. It's our 17th wedding anniversary. Three weeks later they're announcing their divorce. That is people. That's like whiplash. Yeah, so... um. So I think wh- the key... I, I don't think you can tell me my key is wrong. No, no, but, um, yeah, just... it's. I find it an interesting If I saw view. more relationships like ours, if I saw people like us, more people sitting down, talking about the sticky, shitty parts, I would feel better about us. Mm. That is the truth. That's the feedback I've gotten from people who have listened to these, that they are able to review their relationships because sometimes you, deal for, you do feel like I'm, we, we are the two worst in relationship people in the world. We're doing this bad. No one else is as bad as us. No one else has these petty fights. No one else feels this way. This level of resentment is not normal. And then you start to hear. Yeah, I understand. Um, when I hear resilience, I hear like those times when you've got to Bounce back. Now, re- resilience can be framed in different ways, but I hear like getting through challenges, right? Mm. But then the flip side of that to me in a relationship is like what we did um, yesterday. Say we went to the supermarket and did the shopping together, which we enjoyed, right? Mm. So one is about overcoming challenge. Another one is doing something good together that you enjoy and I, f- I feel like they're like the two sort of halves, if it's two sides of the coin, for example. Mm. And uh, I'm just thinking that that going to the shopping, doing the shopping together and having it be a good experience is just as critical as the ability to bounce back from challenges. That's sort of where, how I'm thinking about but it. But I bounced back from a challenging morning because I was being resilient in our relationship mm. and I agreed to go do the shopping with you. And you and you had the motivation and energy and commitment to bounce back in the idea that there's something worth bouncing back to. Yeah, rather than just... So there's the two yin-yang for me, the way I'm... Yeah, but I'm, I didn't yeah. say that was the only thing. I just said like if I had to pick one thing... Yeah, no, I'm not, yeah. Oh my God. Um, Why are we still a, a together? Friend of mine, um, Why are we still together? A friend of mine's motto is find something. It's like he's sort of, um, I wonder if he's finding, you know, that's his um, trademark, finding, find something. It's like what to do when it's hard. It's like really that's that's what you sort of, your essence is built on. Why are we still together? Because we went shopping yesterday together and enjoyed it. Why are we still together? 
can I? Uh, it's it's been a fucking shit fight for a long time, right? Mm. It has. Mm. So why are we still together? Mm. Are we in a like an argument now? No, absolutely not. Why are we still together? Well, that's what my point. I would say it's both. <laughs> Learning. No, I would say resilience. the resilience yeah. and remembering and yeah. knowing that there's good stuff there too. So that's that's like that's what I'm coming at. Yeah, but the other thing is like you're my person and I'm your person and I think both of us are like weird units in that once we lock on. Weird. Whatever. Mm. We're, we're our, each other's people. It takes both of us so long to warm to someone, you know, like to... I don't know, it's like you're in my DNA, like we're barnacled on, for lack of a more romantic term. But if I step back and look at the idea of heterosexual marriage, I hate it. I hate. And I've said to both our girls, don't marry a man that you have to parent, cook for, uh, made for, organise for. Marry a fully-fledged human or don't get married. Like both of our girls really don't even want to get married because I think it's a trap for women and I think if you looked at it just purely for our girls, we want more for them than being some man's extension, right? Mm. So I don't know if you and I, I don't think if, if you and I hadn't worked or if we didn't work, I would never enter a, into a long-term relationship ever again. I wouldn't. I don't know how to make this not sound like insane, but I disagree with the way we're set up, the way society has set us up, right? Mm. And you and I experience growing pains because of that. And mm. the more I educate myself on how much is expected of women societally within heteronormative relationships, like just as a baseline. For instance, if you have friends over and the house is a mess, they will subconsciously judge the wife, not mm. the husband, yep. right? That's just baseline. Yep. I hate that and I hate perpetuating that. But I love you and I'm, our family means everything to me, but I'm also in conflict, conflict with that. The more educated I become about how unfair it is for women... And so how I see um, what I'm hearing right now is that is a massive factor in having a long-term relationship, continually defining yeah. what the relationship yeah. is. How do we want to relate? Not the way that we've subconsciously adopted because mm. most of the times this is all oblivious to us, it's yeah. invisible. It's like, hey, yeah, I don't, this, this is the, how I want the relationship to be. Yeah. And often um, that when, is critical. When women especially, and I'm just being really general within heteronormative, I apologise to our queer non-binary listeners, but the way, the, the way I'm learning and evolving and taking in information and also my audience, you know, giving me their information about their life, you do end up in a spot of what the fuck is in this for women? What do they get out of it? Who, what? So, sorry, what? What, do, what are we expected to do for what? And you do, when you become more enlightened, you do start to apply that to your own life and feel a sense of unrest and unease and resentment. So the ability to talk to your partner about this, who, by the way, will have been benefiting from you doing all the stuff. Yeah. 
And if you suddenly turn around to your partner and say, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore. I've had enough. That is going to inconvenience him and he is going to resist it and he's not going to like it. And your kids won't like it because it's going to inconvenience them. I mean, they're going to have to do more. And that is called putting in boundaries. And it's very hard to do and it's very hard to maintain if for 20 years things have been a certain way and it's been really great for everyone you've been looking after but no one's been looking after you and then all of a sudden you say to them, sorry, gang, things are changing. The minute you're about to make anyone else's life a little bit harder, they're going to resist it. So there's this big growing thing happening and I'm noticing it especially amongst women my age where we're suddenly like clearing the dust from our eyes and being like, Why are we doing this to ourselves? And if you're in a marriage that you want to stay in, which I am, having the ability to have these tough conversations and learn and be resilient about them is the key to it surviving. Mm, That's that's what I think. Yeah. (laughs) I've lost him. I've lost him. No, no. um, Sorry, I went on a bit of a rant. No, it's like, yeah, so the... The resilience, remembering the, the what's worth it, the good stuff, um, the learning that underpins that, and then having those continually coming back to real, like you're recalibrating what the relationship is, how we are relating, and so yeah. that that like redefining it, yeah, because it changes. And then finally, before we go, I want to say this: if you get to a point where it's just too hard. Choosing to leave a relationship is not a failure. If you've been in a relationship for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, that is a successful union. It's not a failure. It's not your failure. Oftentimes when marriages break down, it's looked at the failure of the woman to not keep it together. But if it is genuinely too hard for you and your life is less and you can see a way through, then just agree to end it because it's not, a shortcoming in your life. It's not a, a mark in the ledger against you. It's not a failing. You've had all these years where it worked and then it stopped working. And I think that's okay too. That's okay too. Sometimes it's just finished and run its course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and on that happy note, hey, thanks for being here. Oh, wait, yeah. he's, he's having a thought. I just... Go, I wanted to go back a, a minute or two. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, you were saying sorry to the people who are not non-binary hetero- and not hetero queer. Yes, but I would I would argue that the principles, even though we're talking about man woman type uh, thing, no, 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 no. This is where we think differently. There are principles that come out of that that will still apply. They they don't come out of the same context, but they're adaptable that can fit into all relationships. So I I'm just saying there is stuff. I know, but I'm just conscious that a lot of this stuff would that we're feel, talking yeah, about would yeah. feel very heteronormative and gendered and this is a safe yeah. space for queer people. Yeah, but that's, ultimately that's what we really know, you and me, so that's, that's okay too. And I do need to get Michael and Adrian in to do their version of the Marriage Diaries, but it'll be fucking boring because they get along. <laughs> Fuck those pricks. Fuck those guys. And on that note. That's it. Thanks, Scotty B. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. And so I should extra.